Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every day, pretty much 13 to 14 minutes most every day, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that's important for the strength and development of our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. It's also important to keep us in, 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 in a focused relationship with our God and also upon our soul salvation. So we encourage you. Share these studies with everybody you can. There are people in your life who need to become stronger in their faith. They need to come closer to God. Help them by sharing these studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help somebody turn their life around and ultimately get to heaven. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We want to get back into our line of thought and study, and we're talking about a very basic, fundamental doctrine of New Testament Christianity. And yet it is one that is widely confused uh, as far as how people understand it. And we're talking right now about the basic fundamental of baptism, that fundamental doctrine as to how we become a Christian. And we're focusing really upon is it sprinkling? Is it pouring? Is it rubbing some water on a baby's forehead? Or is it immersion? Well, we've gone into quite some detail to the point we've tried to explain how the word baptize came into being in the English language. And it's not a true translation of the Greek in which the New Testament was originally written into the English, but rather it is what's called a transliteration. Now that's a technical sounding word, but it simply is the process of taking the, the letters in the Greek, in, in the word, as it's laid out in the Greek, and transliterating them into the equivalent letters in English. Now the problem is, that's not a true translation. That's creating a new word in the English. The understanding of the word baptizo, as it would be pronounced in the original Greek, is immerse. There's no question about it. I mean, it's not up for debate. Any scholar understands what it meant, immerse. But when it came to the King James translators in the early 1600s, the practice of sprinkling for baptism was predominant within the Church of England, within the Catholic Church, and perhaps even within some other religious groups, but it was predominant. The King James, uh, King James, the King of England, commissioned the scholars who translated from the Greek into the English that ended up being what we know today as the King James, the original King James Version of the Bible. Now, when they came to that particular Greek word, baptizo, which meant immerse in the Greek, King James, their king, had been sprinkled. Sprinkling was what was being practiced within the Church of England, and that was the official church of the state, the government-sanctioned church of England. And so most everybody in England had been sprinkled. So they were in a bind. Well, they did not translate the word from the Greek, baptizo, which meant immerse, into the English word sprinkling, 
or sprinkle or pour because that would have been absolutely, absolutely erroneous by the rules of interpretation or translation rather. So to have translated it into a word that did not mean what the Greek word meant, and the Greek word, again, there's no question, that's verse. But what was being practiced was sprinkling at that time in the early 1600s. So they simply made up a new word. Now, is it a matter of interpretation? What the word baptize really means? What it meant as it was originally written down in the New Testament scriptures in Koine Greek? It's not a matter of interpretation. It's not a matter of confusion. Any scholar knows what it means in the Greek. It means immerse, submerge, bury, plunge, dip. It does not mean sprinkle. There's a different word in the Greek for sprinkle. That's rentizo. There's a different word for pour. It's keo. It means, in the Greek, immerse. And that's all that it means. It does not mean sprinkle. It does not mean pour. And there's the basis, the primary basis for the confusion as to the mode of baptism, the action of baptism. How, do we, how should we baptize? There's no question if we simply follow the original language, it's by immersion. Pouring, sprinkling, that's, those are innovations of man. And that's not scripture. That's not God's word. Now, what do the scriptures show as the example that we should learn from for baptizing? A person does not need to know Greek to understand baptism. We can read it in the English translation of the New Testament and from the examples that are there. We can understand what, how people are supposed to be baptized, how they were baptized in the first century. A person does not have to know the history of the English Bible to understand what God requires to be saved through baptism. All we need to do is open up God's Word and read the verses, the Scripture texts, for themselves. What does the Apostle Paul say? 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly the word of truth, God's word. And, and this is key, this is really fundamental. We need an open mind. If we have been wrong in our understanding about baptism, we need to have an open mind to learn what the Bible truly says. And we need to be receptive to, to obeying what it really says. We need to have that, that mind of being in subjection to God's will, because that's his word. Acts chapter 8 and verse 31. And we need to have some common sense as well. Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Common sense? <laughs> a whole lot of people are lacking in that, aren't they? And uh, there have been times in my life when I didn't use proper common sense, and I think we could probably all say that 
But when it comes to our soul's salvation, when it comes to following God, God's way, we need to use common sense when we're, we're trying to interpret the scriptures. Isaiah 1 and verse 18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They are, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But we've got to use common sense. We need to use reasonable understanding by way of interpreting what the scriptures are saying. Now, again, the word in the original Greek, there is no question about what it meant. It's immerse. We cannot change that in our interpretation and be okay, be following God's will. We're not obeying God's word when we change the meaning of that particular word. Now, so let's think. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. The first time we find the word baptism used in Scripture is Matthew is, is Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Now, in this text, Jesus went to the water. Where did he go? To Jordan. What was Jordan? The name of a river. Why was John there? Because he was baptizing people in that river. Now, if all he needed to do was sprinkle some water on him, he didn't even didn't need to even go to a river. He probably had a, you know, a water pitcher of some kind. He could have just dipped his hand in that and sprinkled water on him. But he was baptizing in the Jordan River. Jesus went to be baptized by John in the Jordan River. Jesus went to the water. In order for Jesus to come up from the water, it is necessary it is necessary for Jesus to have gone down into the water. Now, again, what does the scripture text say there? Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. That's the scripture. Now, if all you need to do is be, ba- is be sprinkled, you don't need to go down into the water. To come up out of the water, you first have to go down into the water. Mark chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. The simple statement about John's work of preparing the way for Jesus is instructive in our understanding of baptism. The verse says, uh, the text says, again, Mark chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and all were baptized of him, notice this, in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Again, Mark chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. They went out to the river because there was a lot of water there. And that's where they were going to be baptized by John. John's listeners were baptized in or into the River Jordan. The meaning is the same as when Jesus went into the wilderness and prayed in Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. He wasn't sprinkled with a little bit of wilderness. He went into the wilderness. When these folks were going to John to be baptized in the Jordan, they went in to the river. 
And since the definition of a word may be substituted without a change in meaning, let's substitute our three definitions in Mark chapter 1, verse 5, and see how each one works. They went out to him and were, were they poured? Uh, it's not what the word says in the Greek. They went out to him and were they sprinkled by him in the river Jordan? Uh, don't need to go down into the water to be sprinkled, do you? Were they immersed? That's what the word is in the Greek. They were immersed by him in the river Jordan. That fits. That fits. And you can immerse someone into a river. Now, you can't sprinkle someone into a, into a river. You can't pour someone into a river, but you can immerse someone in, into a river. John's listeners were baptized in or into the River Jordan. That's what the verse says. All were baptized of him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. John 3 and verse 23, John also was baptizing in Aenean, near Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. Now, why have much water if you're only sprinkling folks or pouring some water over their head? Romans 6, verses 3 through 5, and Colossians 2 and verse 12, says that we're buried with Jesus in baptism. The theological connection between baptism and the burial and the resurrection of Christ requires the rite to be performed by immersion for the form of doctrine to fit. Jesus was literally buried in the tomb, completely covered up. So Romans 6 and verse 3, Colossians, uh, 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 Colossians 2 and verse 12 tells us, that is Romans 6, 3 through 5, Colossians 2 and verse 12 says we're buried with him in baptism. He was completely buried in the ground. Then for the form to fit, the instruction on baptism here in Romans 6, verses 3 through 5, Colossians 2 and verse 12, both texts of which say buried in baptism, then we have to be completely covered up in the water. But that's not hard to understand because that's what the word, the very word means. There's no need for all the confusion. But the devil's very skillful in confusing people if we let him. We'll look a little bit further and deeper next time. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand Help everybody to understand what baptism really is. It is being buried with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the waters of baptism, completely immersed, and that mirroring Jesus being completely buried in that tomb. Please help us, Father, and be patient with us please forgive us and hear a prayer. In Christ's name, amen.